Welcome to Cavalier Central, bringing you everything you need to know about the wine and gold. Hey, hoop heads. We all hate ankle sprains, and they happen way too often. Ankle injuries are the number one sports-related injury. Arise is trying to change that. With the iFast, your athletes get preventative protection and full mobility. Athletes no longer need to wear bulky braces that limit performance and give mediocre protection. Anyone playing sports should be using these products. Keep your athletes in the game. Don't wait for them to get hurt to take action. Visit www.arise.com. Spelled A-R-Y-S-E. And use the code HOOPHEADS to get 20% off the future of performance. That's A-R-Y-S-E dot com with promo code HOOPHEADS to get 20% off. Hoopheads Nation, we appreciate you listening to this episode of Cavalier Central with Justin Matcham. We also have four other team-focused NBA podcasts, including Knock a Few Buck, Grizz and Grind, 305 Culture, and Blazing the Path. Be sure to check out these other basketball pods on the Hoopheads Podcast Network, too, including Thrive with Trevor Huffman, Beyond the Ball, the CoachMaze.com podcast, Players Court, and Bleachers and Boards. Oh, and don't forget to check out our flagship, the Hoopheads Podcast, hosted by me, Mike Cleansing, and my co-host, Jason Sunkel, featuring the best minds in the game, from grassroots to the NBA. Welcome back. I'm your host, Justin Matcham, in here again with me today. I'm a do so, Dan Kalinsky. What is up, guys? Back once again. Fellow podcast. Just just a happy Wednesday is all. This is a happy Wednesday. Well, uh, before we get into the main portion of today's episode, we got more uh, NBA return updates. Some about the potential start of the season and a little bit more information about the cap as well. We did see some reports saying that the cap could decrease drastically and there were going to be some serious problems with that as far as, you know, what the luxury tax could be and just a bunch of teams being in the luxury tax. I wouldn't be surprised if we were to see an amnesty clause in that case, but it looks like we're going to be avoiding that. Bobby Marks was talking about how the cap is likely to stay flat at $109 million. Like, like we've kind of been talking about a little bit here, that's kind of what was expected. Uh, he, he noted that it could be as high as $111 million. Regardless, it's going to be artificially set. They're not going to set it the way they usually do. Um, and that'll still kind of complicate things moving forward. But um, we're going to avoid a big mess by just artificially setting it at one of those numbers. So good to kind of see some updates on that. Um, other than that, though, the league is confident that the season will start on December 22nd, like we were talking about. And they were targeting December 1st as the target date for training camps. However, there is apparently a substantial number of players, including star players, who are pushing for MLK Day as the start date, that's January 18th, and having free agency open on December 1st instead of like a couple days after the draft. So, Dan, we kind of talked about this last time too, but um, which one of these would you rather see as far as a Christmas start or around Christmas or an MLK Day start? Uh, personally, I'd rather the season get started earlier. I just think from the Cavs' standpoint, 
Um, I, I understand that that the ramp up period would be pretty quick for them, but I just think for them, f- for player development and team chemistry, I think it's it'd just be nice to get it going sooner rather than later. And yes, they'd be there would be some rust, but I mean these are guys who are in the best condition uh, that you can be in, at least by and large. So I don't think, I mean, this is what they love to do. I'm sure guys have, we've seen guys kind of get in runs um, throughout this off season. I I think they'd be just fine. I'd rather get it going during Christmas week, just because it would be weird to not have basketball around that. Yeah. And, um, we, we see that, you know, a lot of these star players are also pushing for the MLK Day start. Um, it's kind of weird because, uh, for one end, you know, those were the teams that, you know, teams that have the star players are usually the better teams. Those are the teams that went further into the playoffs, and you can expect them to want to have a break. But um, at the same time, this, is, this whole Christmas start time kind of plan is because they want to have the Olympics still, and they want to have NBA players done with the season by the time the Olympics start. So, Amadou, do you think that um, that we could see high-end players in the Olympics this year, or do you think it's going to be more so... How do, you th- how do you think that that would work out as of right now? Do you see high-end players playing in the Olympics? I don't think so, honestly. I feel like the players... Going overseas... I feel like the last FIBA tournament, I wasn't even many people then, and I just don't think we're going to see guys like Kevin Durant, Stephen Curry, guys who are coming off of essentially season-long injuries. I know Curry, he obviously played, and then he came back, and he got hurt again. But uh, KD didn't play. You know, LeBron, I doubt he plays. Kyrie Irving. Just throwing names out here, of course. Those, you know, the upper echelon of star players in the league, I just don't see them playing. But maybe for the second tier, the third tier guys, yeah, because maybe it's a chance for them to play basketball. Again, speaking for guys who maybe haven't played since that March, you know, suspension you know, it could be an opportunity for them to get their feet under them, depending on whenever the NBA season starts. So, um, but regarding those top tier players, I just I, I doubt it. Dan, what quad, what level of player do you see playing in the Olympics as far as NBA players go after the season? Um, it's a good question. Uh, I, I'd probably say you could probably get those guys that kind of played in the, um. The past international competition, I, I say like Jay, J- Jason Tatum, um, those kind of Jaylen guys, Jalen Brown, right? Yeah, th- those kind of guys that are kind of up and coming types, uh, like Donovan Mitchell. I, I would think guys like that would um, it, maybe like Bam Adebayo, uh, those those sort of dudes that um, kind of haven't had that. Olympic experience yet. I think that's the kind of guy you'd be looking at. And we do know in the past that LeBron has said that he wanted to play in this Olympics. Obviously, you know, the circumstances are different than we were planning for. If the Lakers make another deep playoff run, I seriously doubt it. But I wouldn't rule somebody like him out who said that he wants to come back and play in it. Overall, though... I don't know. I'm still kind of pushing for the, the the Christmas start time, just because again, from the Cavs' perspective, this is a team that has not played in a very very long time, and even despite you know the kind of rushed off season that would happen, I mean it's going to be rushed regardless, but even more rushed if it were to be at Christmas time. I just think that 
the Cavs are ready to play. I think there are plenty of other teams who either didn't go to the bubble or left the bubble early that are ready to play. It would be kind of unfair for those teams that did make deep playoff runs. But at the same time, I don't know. I feel like they can still pull together. And um, I don't want to say that the bottom tier teams deserve a break because obviously if they want a break, they should be better. But overall, I don't think it's the worst thing in the world if we start at Christmas. We'll move on here to the reports. Previous reports were talking about how the Cavaliers were probably looking to trade their number five pick. More recent reports say that the Cavs are not actively shopping the number five pick. And more reports from this week are talking about how the Cavs will go to New Jersey for a private workout with Obi Toppin. Um, other than that, the Cavaliers get 10 in-person workouts total. Um, no more than four personnel can attend these workouts. I think Kobe Altman and the assistant GM, I forget his name off the top of my head, and Bickerstaff are... Th- yeah, Gansy. Mike Gansy, yeah. that's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the front office has also provided coaches with a um, film breakdown list that includes Toppin, Okoro, Okongwu, Pat Williams, Denny Abdiya, James Wiseman, Anthony Edwards, and LaMelo Ball. Um, also expected to do deep dives on Halliburton and Vassell. One name that I saw that was left off to this list that just kind of, I mean, it wasn't somebody that we expected anyway, but Killian Hayes was nowhere to be found in any of these reportings. Seems like a done deal probably that he's not going to go to the Cavs. Obviously, we know reports were that he wasn't interested in coming to Cleveland. What do you think about, um, Dan, we'll start with you with, all the OB Toppin workouts. Um, just kind of initial reactions to seeing that this is the probably the first guy they're going and seeing. Well, I, I guess it pretty much confirms all the kind of mock draft conversation that the cab guys like Jeremy Wu, um, obviously Chris Fedor, uh, those type of guys that um, it, Jonathan Wasserman as well that are. Um, and or reporters in general. Kelsey Russo's kind of touched on it too, um, that the Cavs seem to be, he seems to be well in play for them at five. Though there's been reports that other teams ahead of them are interested too. So I just think it kind of drives home how uh, the Cavs are probably interested in Toppin and want to get a closer look at him just because um, I, I would think in workouts he'd look very good. Um, just has is a chance for him to kind of show that overall offensive polish. And I'm not really, again, we've we've hit on this ad nauseum how it seems like we're kind of anti-OB for the Cavs, but it just kind of confirms how they seem to be really interested in him. And obviously you read into it that they want to get guys uh, up close stuff. Um, the Cavs deem these workouts vital, but to me, I just there's not a huge deal with workouts until kind of a little bit closer, um, and we'll I would imagine that we'll see that kind of list expand and we'll get some confirmed workouts um, from other guys. Yeah, another thing about Obi Toppin is just it seems like not only as a player teams like him, but as a person too, he seems like a heck. Based off of just reports from you know team interviews, teams really like him as a person as well. And uh, we know that um, Toppin is garnering interest from the four teams ahead of Cleveland. Uh, the Warriors reportedly are for sure considering Toppin. Amadou, are there any teams that stand out to you that could 
be in play like that that would seriously consider topping? Like, are there any teams of that top four that you could see? I guess I don't know how exactly I want to say this, but yeah. realistically, taking Obi Toppin, um, maybe, maybe. Actually, hold on. Maybe the Warriors, but of course, they already have Draymond and Eric Pascal's really came on. I just, I don't think so. I, I really don't think so. Maybe the Warriors, maybe the Bulls, but besides those two, I don't think so. I think the Hornets are just really keen on trying to get a big man. I think I could see them take Okongu, honestly, at number four. Number one, I just, I doubt the uh, the Wolves take uh, top, and if they do, have at it. But um, just my personal opinion on them. And it's actually funny, like, reading these articles and then seeing what I say because the Cavs just, like, their vision on a player and what we think is just completely different. So, uh, but just looking at just the basics, Toppin is, what, 22 at this point. Um, when it's time for his extension, he'll be 25, 26-ish. So, he'll probably, if everything goes well, he won't be a restricted, unrestricted, excuse me, free agent until, what, he's 29, 30 years old? Uh, I think so, something like yeah, that. Yeah, I just... I think it'd be more like 27, wouldn't it? 27? Okay, okay. Well, yeah, something like that, but... It's still, he'd be pretty old by yeah, the time that exactly. would be contracted. Yeah, exactly. So, I... I just... I don't really get it. it. It just doesn't make sense. I understand, of course, working out players in that, you know, that range of the fifth overall pick. You know, you want to exhaust all options, but... We already have Kevin Love. I just doubt that a trade for Kevin Love will happen this season. I kind of doubt that it'll happen next season, too. We still have Larry Nance, who's, you know, he's actually really good, too. Right now, you could probably say Larry Nance is better than Toppin. I, I, I don't get it. I, I just, I really, I, I don't get it. Yeah, one one article, I don't remember which article it was that I was reading, was talking about how, you know, the Cavaliers might be trading Kevin Love, but even if not, you know, they need a backup behind him because Dean Wade isn't ready, and... Jordan Bell is more of a small ball five and Tristan might not be back and who knows what's going to happen with Andre and they just kind of completely forgot to mention Larry Nance it seemed like as another player in that back I I understand the long-term Kevin Love replacement thing but you do have Kevin Love and you have Larry Nance and you have other you know end of bench guys like McKinney and Wade and Bell if you know all of them make the team that's assuming but um I don't know I think I don't even expect the Wolves to keep their pick. I think they're going to try and find somebody. But I can see that being a move for them, like taking Toppin, either trading down a few picks and then taking Toppin, or say, say like the, the Hornets want to trade up and take Wiseman, or just taking him at number one. I think he's a good fit there. Um, again, that's not a pick that you're thrilled with, but I think he, as far as just pure fit, he fits there better than Wiseman... Lamelo, or probably even Anthony Edwards. But um, Dan, is there any team in that top four that you could realistically see taking Toppin right now? Uh, yeah, I, I think to me it's it's a Warriors trade down. I think that would be probably what I would expect if he goes um, among those four. I, I don't see it before that, just because at least for the for the Wolves, I understand it's not like a perfect fit necessarily but Edwards at number two or is their two guard I like him and Russell would be a, a hell of a pairing um or could be in the next year or two um I just think for them they're 
defenses, they're allergic to that as it is. Uh, not that the Cavs have any reason, room to talk, but it just seems like they're, with Rosas, I think a good fit would be Edwards. I just think he, they need, they're just going to run and gun at this point. And at least it seems that way. I think for them, that's that's kind of the move. It seems like a pretty clear one to me. Um, I, I, but I, I could see, yeah, I, I think the Warriors trading down, um, and getting top and, um, that, that seems like it's a possibility kind of with the Knicks. Um, I, I think there have been some mocks where that's the case, like where the Knicks come up to two, um, and get LaMelo. I, th- I think that's for the Warriors. That's probably a solid move. We also saw, um, Evan Damerel on Twitter talk about how, Wiseman, Okongwu, Abdia, and Okoro were going to be working out or interviewing with the Cavs. Uh, Fido refuted that report, saying that um, there is belief that Wiseman will only work out with the Warriors. We also know that the Hornets are open to trading up for Wiseman, uh, so he is probably unlikely to fall to five at this point if they stay at three and take him or move up and take him. I think even the, the slightest glimmer of Wiseman falling is... Probably dead, because at this point we pretty much know that the Hornets are interested in taking him, and we also know that he probably wants to go to the Warriors. We also know that the Cavaliers are looking to, potentially on the same trip as this um, Obi Toppin kind of workout, that the Cavaliers are also looking to meet with Isaac Okoro and, uh, what's his face, I forgot, I blanked for a second, Denny Abdia. I think Denny Abdia was a priority for him just because He's probably going to be not be over. He's probably not going to be in the U.S. for that long. He is overseas, so they think they're going to try and catch him while they could. But I'm still kind of on the Okoro train. I know Dan, you kind of are as well. As far as out of those two, do either of you have a preference there? Amadou, do you have a preference between Okoro or Abdia? Yeah, I think I would prefer Okoro, and it's it's actually really weird. It's really weird because. You can say you prefer Okoro because what I'm trying to say here, like the potential is there, but you know, Dia has potential too. Just Dia personally, um, my worry is where does where would he fit in the NBA? Because would you say he has enough athleticism or movement laterally to guard the three, or would he play the four? And then is he too small to guard four? It's kind of weird. I'm not sure, but personally, I like Okoro just because again that defensive potential he brings. Um. His shot, you know, it of course is a question mark, but I feel like it could definitely be fixed. It has potential. And he's also really an underrated ball handler and playmaker type. I, I really like I really like Okoro's fit with this team. I think he'd fit in well with the Cavaliers. At Abdia, um I just I, I don't know. I, I don't I don't know how he'd fit with the team. Would he be a three? Would he be a four? I'm not too sure. So I'd say Okoro. Dan, who do you think Abdia defends in the NBA? I'd probably say more threes. I think his 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 lateral quickness is fine. I mean, it's not exceptional, no, but um, just shows really good feel. Um, it is a rotator, and I just think that pro experience, where in a, in a high quality league, frankly, um, really can help him on the, in the team defensive realm. Uh, really closes out well, and, and he's not really, really long, but he uses his length well. Um, not that Okoro doesn't, but I just think against threes, he, he'd be more effective, at least earlier on. Uh, I, I just think that kind of allows him to 
kind of be more of an impact defender, fly around a little bit more. Whereas against fours, I mean, uh, there's a lot of them that are more perimeter laden uh, nowadays, but I just think for him, he's probably more natural out there uh, earlier on. I think as he progresses, he'll be more comfortable kind of guarding more traditional guys in the post. I think it'll, but I think it'll take a little bit before he kind of um, gets his frame solidified uh, in coming years. I think he'll eventually put on weight incrementally, but I just think earlier on, I think he'll probably be more natural um, guarding threes. And I think that for the Cavs is just fine, but in plenty of lineups, I, I would think he could guard fours anyhow. Well, one last quick note that I wanted to talk about real quick before we get before we move on here. I did find it interesting that on their kind of film breakdown list that they had Patrick Williams on there and that well they did say they were supposed to do a deep dive on Devin Vassell as well, that Vassell was not on that primary list. I just I kind of feel like I almost feel like maybe there is some legitimate shooting concern there. Maybe the Cavs... I mean, obviously, the Cavs have more intel than all of this than we do. But it's kind of seeming like maybe Vassell is slipping a little bit. And I was just I was intrigued to see Patrick Williams on that list as well. I, I like Patrick Williams as a prospect. I think he might be a little bit of a reach at, at five. But wouldn't be, I don't think, the worst thing in the world. Would you rather the Cavaliers, uh, we'll start with you, Dan, on this one, take Patrick Williams or Obi Toppin? Absolutely, Patrick Williams, um, every day and twice on Sunday. Uh, again, as you said, it might be a tad bit of a reach at five, but I, I understand he has a ways to go offensively, but has I think could definitely play the three and four. Um, and last year, at least on spot-ups, he showed promise. Um, wasn't too bad there. Um, it, I believe he's among the youngest players in the draft. So um, if not the youngest, uh, you have to fact check me on that. But um, I, I think he's – we didn't see it a ton at Florida State, but he's got playmaking potential as a secondary guy. Um, just does all the little things well. Um, really heady player for a player his age. And I just think – could impact winning earlier on. I think, at least from the Cavs standpoint, Dan Toppin, who uh, he's a good passer too. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna discount that, but I just don't know. I, I think Williams, what he can do defensively, um, honestly, would provide much more rotational rim protection um, than Toppin in his own right. Um, he's thick. He's he's got an NBA body already. Um, Plays of verticality uh, much more than Toppin, at least defensively. And I just think he has off-the-bounce potential, um, has some pull-up potential. I mean, it's going to take a ways to, to get that going, but um, I, I just think in coming years, uh, the way he plays, really high IQ player, um, honestly plays beyond his years um, from an age standpoint. And if he didn't play at Florida State, I think he'd probably have – played a lot more minutes so i i'd be i would i'm not going to say all for the williams thing at five but if you trade it back with the knicks say to eight is for example um i'd be all for him uh really heady player and honestly in this draft i that'd be a really solid pick i'm, I'm kind of with you on that if the cavaliers were to trade back that'd be somebody that i would be thrilled if they were to get 
comparing the two of them, I mean, they play the same position, basically. I see them both as natural fours. Very, very, very different games. Um, Amadou, between the two, who would you rather the Cavs take at five? Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm with Dan here. Patrick Williams, everything he said defensively. And he really does play, you know, above his age. You know, he's really a really nice, smart uh, team defender. But, you know, at five, that is a bit a bit of a reach. Again, if you were looking to trade back with, like, the Knicks, maybe the Pistons wanted to jump. Um, I forget what team is in front of the Pistons. But if they wanted to jump a team to get Hawks. a point guard, maybe the Hawks. Okay. If you wanted to jump them, maybe, you know, they're looking at Vassell. Maybe the Hawks could take a combo guard and either Tyrese or Killian. If they wanted, if they wanted to jump them, I'd do a trade like that. But yeah, at five, I think that's a that's that's a reach. If you're looking to trade down, 100%, I'd take him. See, I'm a little bit more drawn on this one as far as just looking at with the number five pick, who would you take? I almost feel like... I might lean towards Opie Toppin at number five. I really do like, like I said, I like Patrick Williams. And if the Cavaliers were to trade back, I'm 100% for it. But at the number five, I I want somebody who I'm at least sold can be an NBA player. Like 100% sold can be an NBA player. And I am sold that Opie Toppin will be that. I think that, I, I still feel that Patrick Williams' game is kind of raw. And obviously, he is one of the youngest players in the draft, if not the youngest. But I just think that would be a little bit much of a reach, too much of a reach for me at number five. I wouldn't really be thrilled with either of these picks. Obviously, the upside is there with Williams. I think you know he obviously has higher upside, especially for what the Cavs are looking for. Like I said, I really wouldn't be thrilled with either of those picks. But we'll move on. Um, there was another recent article over at The Athletic with Kelsey Russo and Danny LaRue talking about the Cavaliers. It's kind of long-term cap situation. It was an interesting read. If anybody anybody who has The Athletic, I would consider, I would recommend reading it. It was really kind of interesting. Just a couple key takeaways from that. LaRue was talking about how the Cavaliers could have 30 to $35 million in cap space next offseason. That is, though, without any multi-year contracts being handed out this offseason. Obviously, that is in that max contract range. The Cavaliers probably aren't going to be max contract players next summer. But either way, that just kind of shows you how much a Drummond extension could compromise what the Cavaliers are able to do moving forward as far as just keeping that flexibility. And, I mean, it would all depend on what a Drummond extension number would look like. And like I've said in the past... I really don't expect a Drummond extension to happen at this point. I just think the two sides are too far apart. But I really just think that that does show you, say that you do extend him for, for $20 million, That leaves you with potentially $10 million under the cap alone, without any other moves, just there. And you you factor in a potential, dr- uh, not Drummond, Tristan Thompson extension, which could be at around... Three years, twenty million, or not twenty million, twenty-seven million, as Larue stated, which would be around that full mid-level exception type of guy, and that really just kind of ties you up. I think it's just a good example of do we really, Dan? I'll, I'll go to you on this one, and I kind of know the answer already. But is this really the team that you want to tie all of your money to with a Drummond and? Potential. I'm just, I'll just theoretically Thompson. 
No, no, and no. Um, I, I don't know how many no's I can fit in there. But, again, we know the limitations with Drummond. Do we really buy into him, quote-unquote, expanding his game or having the next evolution in his game? I mean, at this point, like, are pigs going to fly too? I, I just – there's not enough – really not enough emphasis we can put on that the Cavs should not be tying long-term – investment to Andre Drummond at least it, it maybe if they come to something more reasonable down the road I, I don't know what the numbers are specifically but honestly I, I don't even really know what the number or care what the numbers are frankly like it just in my opinion I can understand where the Cavs are coming from I guess from a proven commodity um, way but just how the position is he's not a one of those Jokic or um, kind of KP type bigs. And honestly, Porzingis is not really a five. That's not, I guess, in a direct comparison. But uh, it's just uh, Drummond's durable by and large. Sure, he's uh, an elite rebounder. That's fine. I, I mean, I'm not discounting that. Um, but it's just, to me, you'd be better off if you want to kind of have one of those center types that's going to have a, a key key offensive role. I think just looking forward, I'd rather get a Kongwu um, and have Dre opt in. And then, it, it, honestly, if you can't trade him by next deadline, that's fine. Just let the contract kind of run out, maybe. I don't think that's honestly the worst thing in the world. And based on LaRue's report, it doesn't seem like that's an easy thing to do um, to find the contracts to match. So... Um, maybe, I mean, there's a long ways, it's a long ways out, but yeah, it just with Drummond, there's just no reason to have a big money move or extension. And we don't know. I mean, maybe they can come to some terms later on, but it's just, I don't think there's, you'd find very few Cavs fans, I would imagine. And, um, people around the NBA that probably would, advice that are unbiased that would advise the Cavs to do so. And I know in the past, Amadou, you've touched on that even if Drummond were to opt out of this contract and they had cap space this offseason, they could just not spend that money and kind of play it out. And at that point, you, you have flexibility. You can take back some bad contracts, just take away some money from other team and collect assets. I think that's another thing the Cavs could be looking to do with this money rather than just tie it all into Drummond. I think Drummond is tradable right now because he is still a contributor, but most importantly, he is on an expiring contract. And I think that's where his value comes in. If you commit long-term money to Drummond this offseason or, you know, at any point, you can forget about trading him because unless he really, really, really does expand his game, nobody's going to take that on. And if they are, you're, you're going to have to attach serious compensation to it. I mean, that's a Al Horford and Tobias Harris level bad deal that I, I'm i not quite sure how how you would get rid of that. Would you say that deal would be worse than the Al Horford deal, Amadou? Which is about four years, $28 million a year. We'll, we'll go with a... Would you rather have Al Horford at $28 million a year or... Drummond at 20. I think I'd lean towards Drummond's 20 mil over Horford's 28 mil. 
Dan, what would you take out of the two? I don't. I just feel like I still believe in Horford as a player somewhere. Obviously, it's not a good deal, but I think the shooting potential and still some defensive ability. I might go with Al Horford out of those two. Looking at a four-year deal, obviously you are tying more money, and I can I understand that standpoint. But who would you take out of the two? Um. Ugh. I guess, I guess Al Horford, I mean, that's not really saying it definitively, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just think for just kind of piggybacking off kind of what Amadou said, in the right situation, I'm not saying the Cavs would be, but theoretically, like him and Kevin Love, um, I, I think would be interesting um, for stretches just because Horford, when he's able to kind of play make more, um, and obviously, like, it didn't work out with Philly from, I mean, it seemed like his shot kind of went off a cliff to an extent, but, I mean, he, he's been, a, like, a decent, somewhat competent, I mean, fairly competent shooter in the past, at least from three, um, and he's he's a capable five defensively still. I, I mean, he's a really heady player, um, polished post-up game, uh, but I mean, that's, it's not really saying it by much, but I, I guess maybe you could, if he has a good year, you could flip him down the road and maybe get a young kind of guy to build around from there, I guess, um, more. And I just think with Horford, um, just seems like a, a really good leader as well, um, has been in his career. Just seems like a pro's pro. Not that I, I'm not to, like knocking Andre Drummond, but I, I just, I guess in this sense, I'd take Horford. Um, again, not really ideal. I just, I just personally rather not have Drummond tied to a team for four more years, at least in the Cavs situation. Yeah. I guess another thing that you have to kind of consider with Horford, too, is that he's a lot older, and the yeah. end of that oh, yeah. deal could look a lot uglier than the end of Drummond's deal. But anyway, we'll move on. We got one more thing here to talk about. The NBA Analysis Network came back in with another potential Cavs trade. I say potential. I don't know why I say potential because it's not really a potential trade. But Jalen Brown, the Celtics trade Jalen Brown and a 2021 second round pick for Andre Drummond and a 2021 first round pick. Now, as I thought about this one a little bit more, um, it, it made a little bit more sense, but I'll get into that in a minute. Um, I'm gonna do what were your initial thoughts, initial reactions to this trade? No, I, I need to hear what you what you're gonna say about it making sense. I just don't see this anyway. I 100 if if Ben Ames calls Kobe Allman and he's offering this, Kobe must accept and immediately hang up the phone and block the number. There is no take backs on this trade. I do this trade. 10 times out of 10. But I want to hear. I, I don't know how this makes sense. Okay, I'm not saying that it makes yeah, sense. It I'm just saying, sense, yeah. as I thought about it, it makes a little bit more sense. Because the Cavaliers' 2021 first-round pick could, in theory, be a top-three pick that could get you a really, really, really good player in next year's draft. You know, I, I don't know enough about next year's draft, but I know that it's good. I know Kid Cunningham is good. 
there's the hope that maybe you can land that guy with that pick. But other than that, I think, I think the Celtics, I think the Cavs asking for the second rounder along with Jalen Brown is kind of laughable. (laughs) Dan, where are you at with this one? Yeah, frankly, 2021 second round or two is not bad. Um, It's going to be loaded and deep. So, I mean, yeah, you might as well just, I don't know, throw in like 12 wings from Quaker Steak and Lube. I I don't know. Like, what what else is there? Um, Yeah, just based on what Amadou said, yeah, Kobe Altman, Altman would... Probably win the hearts of Cavs fans if he were able to do that somehow, some way. Um, really flip the script there. So, yeah, I, there's not really much to say here. There's no, I guess, if I'm becoming like an owner of an NBA team, I have like a billion dollars. Like tomorrow, that's kind of the percentage chance this would happen. Um, yeah, I mean, I'll be, I'd be all for it. Yeah, there could be a franchise-altering player next draft, but you never know, and the Cavs' history of drafting has not been particularly outstanding outside of number one picks. So, um, and honestly, we never know with lottery rules now. They could get the eighth pick next year, even if they have, like, a bottom two record. You never truly know. Not that that's – I mean, that's still a very high-value pick. There's – it's a deep, deep draft, but I mean, maybe the Celtics could get Jonathan Kaminga in, in in return there, theoretically. But I just don't really, yeah. There, there's no way in hell that no. this this <laughs> this has a negative thirty eight percent chance of going through. It has. We were mentioning other trades in the um, in the uh, group chat before we came on here. Dante Exum for Jason Tatum is about the only trade that I would deem less likely than this one. If throwing away Jalen Brown, we might as well call him to see if do that too. We, we may as well. I mean, <laughs> yeah. at that point, you demand Jason Tatum or no deal on this. I, I could I could see an Andre Drummond trade happening. I just don't think this is the one. This is about the last thing that I think the Celtics would consider. Um one more quick note before we do get out of here. I just want to note that the Roadback docuseries, there should be a new episode of that coming out soon. I was hoping maybe it would be out by tonight so we could talk about it. I think that they are going to be releasing episodes every other week. So, like I said, within the next few days here, I think we should be hearing something about it. Unfortunately, like I said, nothing else that we know about it right now. But um, anything from either of you before we get out of here? Um, I know earlier we were talking about the Olympics, and I had said, like, Talking about players, you know, getting their legs under them. I don't know why it didn't cross my mind that the Olympics would, of course, be next summer. So I kind of take back my stance on that. I, oh, well. Yeah. <laughs> I kind of take back my stance on that. Yeah. I could definitely see, of course, you know, the top three players playing in that. But besides that, yeah. Even still, though, I mean, you have to consider the fact that with a deep playoff run, yeah, that, that, that some players might not want to, especially now just because of everything being crammed together. You know, you have a short off season this offseason and then a full season and then another short offseason before you play in the Olympics. And then because you play in the Olympics, you have another short offseason. So I could definitely see some guys wanting to sit that out. And I think it's 
understandable that the NBA is trying to push this season up so that we can get players to that. But at the same time, I understand players not maybe wanting to play in that and not wanting to start the season so early in the first place. But like for some of these guys, of course, you know, they get up there in age. Maybe they just want one last run at the Olympics before, you know, it's time to hang them up. That's a good point, too. Yeah. Like we said, LeBron, we, we know, has said in the past that he wants to come back and play in the Olympics. It's just a matter of does it make sense? Anything from you, Dan, before we head out? You're not going to mention your jersey purchase, are you? Oh, I probably should mention my jersey purchase. Um, it's so going to be unique. It is going to be unique. It's nobody else. Uh, very, very few other people have this jersey. So there was a clearance sale on the Cavs team shop. Okay, so there was a sale on top of the clearance sale. They had like a Halloween deal. So on top, okay, so I'll start with this jersey was $40 on clearance. And then with this additional sale, I got it for $26. Um, are you ready for this? I bought an Ante Zizic jersey for $26. You could mask. Is that not a good purchase? Is that not a good purchase? You could mask. I guess from a Halloween standpoint, you're pretending to be an NBA player because that's what he did. <laughs> wow. I mean, do you, what's the hope? He just goes crazy overseas. Goes ballistic, and maybe the jersey will rise in value. <laughs> Besides that, I just don't know if I'm buying in Auntie's jersey, no matter the price. I, I, I just don't know. Okay, but one, you got to consider like this is a this is from the team store. This is a well, very yeah, nice jersey. Authentic. Like yes, of course, yeah. It's authentic, and think about how great of a jersey that's going to be in, in 15, 15 years, years when everybody it. forgets that Auntie's existed. And I could wear that jersey to a Cavs game and have everybody stare at me and be confused. Oh, uh, that was what you're, you're a true, you're a true casting right there. 100%. <laughs> I was going to say, I, I, maybe I should get a Smush Parker jersey then, I guess. You probably should. Because that'd, be, be... that'd be about like the every 15, well, it's more than 15 years, but give or take one out of every so often type. I, I like it in that way. Yep. And you know what? I mean, People will remember Ante's visits for that pass that LeBron made to him. Exactly. Yeah, that's true. So that clip will come like, back. Ante's visits has his place in NBA history right there. And for twenty six dollars, I get to represent that history. So yep. that's fine. I am happy with my purchase. With that, we will get out of here. Thank you, everybody, so much for listening. Thank you, Dan and Amadou, for hopping on. As always. Uh, if you enjoyed, subscribe, rate, review, all of that, and uh, we will see you guys next time. If you have an existing podcast or are looking to launch your own pod but aren't sure where to start, the team at My Podcast Manager can help. Our podcast team works behind the scenes so you can do what you do best. We'll help you launch your podcast, make it sound great, and free up your time for the more enjoyable parts of podcasting. If you're ready to put your podcast editing, production, and promotion on autopilot with a trusted team of podcasting professionals, visit mypodcastmanager.com to get started. Thank you for listening to Cavalier Central. Be on the lookout for another episode coming soon.